Yes, Lord. Uh, we, we need you for salvation, and we need you to continue to help us live this new life with you, in you. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to do that in our morning together. Thank you for the baptism. Uh, thank you for fellowship here. Thank you for what you're doing. And Lord, we ask that you'd open our ears to hear whatever you, Lord God, by your Spirit, through your Word, are saying to us today. Help us hear your Word, believe it, receive it, Lord, for your glory and your kingdom. Amen. All right, go ahead and take a seat. And we are, I'll pick it up right there, where, where Peter, he, he told that crowd in Jerusalem to repent and be baptized. 3,000 did. 3,000 people in Jerusalem did. They repented, they believed, they were baptized. They came into this new thing that God was doing. They received his forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is what they did together. This is what the church at the very beginning did in, starting in Jerusalem. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So the apostles, everything that Jesus had taught and commanded them, they took in orally, they remembered it, and they were telling people orally, and then they wrote these things down, and we have it today in the New Testament. New Testament points back to what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, and it's one coherent Word of God. All right, so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to being together with other believers, helping and encouraging each other, supporting each other, to the breaking of bread, eating together, but also communion, remembering Jesus' sacrifice for us, and prayer, praying together. These are the things that the early church did. They also sang songs together, sang hymns together. They shared a word together, a word of instruction. That's what we're doing right here. We're still doing it. We're still doing the thing that they did way back at the very beginning. New people that God is forming. The word then goes out um, through the disciples beyond Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, out beyond into the Roman Empire, down to Ethiopia through the uh, Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. And it's going out. It's spreading out. And we've been following in Acts a guy named Paul. Paul, originally known as Saul, uh, was a Jewish Pharisee. He was born in a city called Tarsus where he got his Roman citizenship. He was born a Roman citizen. He's this unique hybrid, but he's thoroughly Jewish. He's Hebrew of Hebrews. He's born of the tribe of Benjamin. Um, and he grew up in Jerusalem where he learned under Gamaliel, one of the big rabbis of the day, and he belonged to the Pharisees. Then he had a dramatic conversion encounter with the risen Lord Jesus who changed him, called him, from being a persecutor of the church to now a one of its biggest uh, um, what missionaries, ambassadors. This is an ambassador of Christ. This is somebody sent by Jesus to proclaim the good news message about him to the ends of the earth. So Paul's been going out. Last week we saw him in Athens. Athens, Greece. Now you cannot come up with a greater contrast than the city Jerusalem where God set aside for his people, Israel, and Athens, a human, humanistic, um, polytheistic, highly sexually immoral, immoral in a lot of ways, uh, a slave culture. Um, yeah, you could not come up with a bigger contrast. But God has sent him to the ends of the earth to call all people, all nations, into his kingdom. So we saw how Paul is in Athens. He moves on from Athens to a city called Corinth, not far from Athens, 
in present-day Greece. And this was kind of had the Greek flavor, but it was also highly Roman. It was a Roman colony. It was about 100,000 people, which was a big city back then. The Roman cities, the Roman people, the Romans were very power-driven, status-conscious, money-conscious, and they were highly sexual and moral as well. I mean, anything goes, temple prostitution, um, huge uh, abortion rate. If, the, if you had a baby and you didn't want it, you'd leave it on the trash dump. So it was, again, contrast. The city of God, what the people of God are supposed to be, and the ends of the earth, Corinth. So Paul goes there with the good news message about Jesus. And he goes there because of what Jesus told him earlier on. Listen to the word that Jesus gave Paul when he first became a believer in Christ and was sent out. This is Jesus sending out Paul. Listen to his words. This is Acts 26, verse 17. Jesus said to Paul, I am sending you to them, to the Gentiles, non-Jews, far from your home base of Jerusalem, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to the power of God and so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified, set apart, made holy by faith in me, by faith in what I've done for them. This is Paul's commissioning by Jesus. So Paul goes out and now he's in Corinth. Uh, This is about 19 years after Jesus spoke this to him. So Paul's in Corinth. And let's go there now and see what he does in Corinth. All right, here we go. This is Acts chapter 18, verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Now, we can date that at 49 A.D., Um, Claudius, Tiberius Claudius Caesar, he expelled all the Jews from Rome at that time because of a guy named Crestus, because of Christ. Because what was happening within the Jewish context is there is a division about who Jesus is. Is he the Messiah? Is he the promised one or not? It was creating a lot of debate within the Jewish world and a lot of writing and a lot of uh, dissension and Claudius got fed up with it at Rome and he expelled all the Jews out. All right, so that's a little historical marker for us. Paul went to see them, Aquila and Priscilla, and because he was a tent maker, that's how he supported himself, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, on the Saturdays, when the synagogue came together, he reasoned in the synagogue, the Jewish gathering, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So not only the Jews that were there, but also many Greeks or Gentiles believed that The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of Israel was true God, the creator God. And they had attached themselves, they'd come to the synagogue and learn about him without becoming uh, full converts. All right. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, these are his teammates, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching. So he stopped the tent making, he focused on preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, the King, the Anointed One, the Expected One, the Promised One. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. Whoa. 
I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. All right, so Paul goes, he's preaching. He's trying to help the, the Jews in the synagogue realize that Jesus is the Messiah. And uh, there's a group of them who oppose him and uh, send him out. So Paul's like, hey, I'm innocent of your blood. I have come and proclaimed the good news to you. You've rejected it. So what does he say he's going to go do? He's going to keep going. He's going to go on. He's going to move on. All right. So here's lesson number one for us. When people reject the message of Jesus, his word, the time has come, the King of God, keep moving on. Keep sharing it with others. Keep, don't, don't get discouraged. Don't get bent out of shape. Don't take it personally. Remember, when Jesus was going around Israel, some believed and some did not. Some were indifferent. Some didn't care. Some outright rejected him. Some handed him over to the Roman authorities to be crucified. All right? They treated Jesus that way. All right? They treated Paul this way. By sharing the good news message of Jesus, they will treat you this way. Some will believe, some will not. Some will oppose you. I've been evangelizing a few times going out trying to share the message about Jesus with people. And get all sorts of reactions. But I'll actually, honestly, around here, um, in Broadway Plaza, I get the most no's. Uh, no, no, I should not, don't want to talk. You know, that's fine. Uh, DVC, people are a little bit more open, a little more talkative, a little more... Uh, Berkeley, actually, surprisingly, most people are willing to talk and talk it through. So um, sometimes I'll be talking to a couple, and one is interested and engaged, and the other one's like, wants to go. Uh, it's just so interesting, the reactions you get. And the first few rejections, the first few no's, it can just be like, I'm never doing that again. Because you take it personally. Oh, I must be doing this wrong. Oh, I, you know, I can't do this. I'm already nervous going out and doing this, right? And sometimes the worst that you can imagine probably won't happen, but you'll get some no's. When people reject the message about Jesus, learn from Jesus, from Paul, keep telling others. There are others to tell. All right. That's lesson number one. Let's see what else we can learn. Um, well, first of all, I said keep telling people the message. How do we learn to share? How do we share this message? Okay, if you go through Acts, we just have the message of Jesus being pushed out. So we have to ask ourselves, uh, how do we join into this? Jesus commissioned his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. You and I are part of that. All right, so how do we learn to do this? Uh, first of all, one thing you don't want to do is to be this guy up here. Can you see that? You don't want to go around being obnoxious, noisy, toy monkey out there. You don't want to be obnoxious. You, don't, you know, we've all seen those people out there, right? I don't want to be that. I don't want to be associated with that. All right? Don't be that. That's, but I don't think that's our problem here, actually. I think the bigger challenge for us is to step out a little bit, take a risk, and to speak and learn how to do it with love and with grace and joy, uh, full of grace, full of truth. That's challenging. 
So last week I invited you, I encouraged you, hey, go out sometime with Ving or Sally or Jonathan or me. Go out. And here's the deal. It's not to make you professional evangelists. None of us are going to be like Paul. All right? Uh, but it's to help us learn how to share this treasure that you have been given, that you and I have been given. We have the greatest thing. We have eternal life now in God. We have been born again, regenerated. We're part of God's new creation. We are secure in him. Our destination is fixed. We're going to be with God forever in the new heavens and new earth. We have the greatest thing. It is the most loving thing to give this away, to help other people know. We're called to love others as we love ourselves. Well, man, I'm really thankful for those people who help me know Jesus. And I want to get better at doing that with others. So here's the encouragement. Go out. Go out. There's some emails on your bulletin. Go out with Ving or Sally or Jonathan or Chris back there or me um, and learn it. And then it doesn't mean you have to go out every week and do that. What it can mean is that you're doing that with your friends. You're learning how to do that in your workplace. On August 28th, we're going to have a little discussion group after church about workplace evangelism. Sally is going to lead that. So we want to help equip each other, help each other, encourage each other to do this more. I want to invite Jonathan Fry up and Kemi up. Uh, they went out recently. Uh, Jonathan's gone out a few times with Ving. And I just want to have him share some of the experiences. Kemi uh, went out pretty recently with Sally. Um, Sally and Ving are a couple, the Wongs. Come on up. And I'm just going to ask you, uh, I'll start with you, Jonathan. Come on up, Kemi. Um, a few questions. What did I tell you I was going to ask? I, was gonna, I have three questions for you. One. You don't have them written down? <laughs> yeah, I got it right here. All right. Tell me, first of all, a highlight. What was the highlight going so, out? Yeah, I have a couple highlights. One um, highlight is just the awesome other believers that uh, Ving brings out um, and sends people out in pairs. Uh, uh, I've, that was surprising to me and a highlight for me to meet some just really awesome brothers and sisters in Christ that we go with. Um, another highlight for me was, I think, my third time out. Um, right towards the end of our time, uh, I was able to, with with Ving's help, um, walk somebody through accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Um, and that, yeah, that, that was really cool. Um, he, he had all the knowledge. He had just never gotten to that point where, um, he's, so you, you know about Jesus, you know, he's, you know, he, he came to save us, but you've, you've never accepted him. He thought it was all about works. And so just, he, he didn't have that part. And that was the piece that was missing. And so that was a, a really cool opportunity. Did you have any nerves or any fear about going out? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. It's part of it. All right, Kemi, would you come and share? Um, maybe just some, yeah, same sort of thing. Highlights, things you learned. Um, yeah. Thank you, Pastor. Oh, so um, for me, the highlight for me is um, having to let people know that God loves them, whichever state that they are, because God's image is... We were made in God's image, right? And God loves his image, irrespective of who you are, right? God loves you. He loves the Christian and he loves the sinner. He just doesn't love the sin. The ability for us to be able to drop those seeds that God loves them was the highlight for me. I met a particular couple um, um, on the field here. Um, they had 
another friend that doesn't know God, right? So when we try to approach them, there was this willingness for that particular couple to hear about God. They've been making um, efforts, but we going to them and telling them more, so they were more interested. We dropped the you know the tracks with them, and they were willing. The person that said that he doesn't believe in God was still able to hear because they were listening, right? So we were also able to sow that seed. Hopefully, you know, it terminates. That's that's the highlight for me. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your willingness to share and to just go. And yeah, God's got more for us. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I just want to uh, encourage you all. It's, it's the rare gift that you get when you get to actually help pray with somebody and help them receive Christ. Oftentimes what we're doing is we're just helping people come a one step closer to wrestle with some of their questions. And that's what Jesus sent us to do in that encounter. We can all do this stuff. You can do this. I would just encourage you, reach out, find a time, just go. Just try it one time. And there, all you have to do is shadow and watch and learn that way. And then if you want to jump in, you get an opportunity to jump in as well. All right. Now back to Corinth. Back to Corinth. So um, the initial reaction or a big reaction that Paul experienced uh, was rejection. Uh, rejecting him and his message. All right, but that's not the only reaction he got. Let's look, let's continue in Acts 18, verse 7. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. So this is one of those Gentiles, these Greeks, who was worshiping God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, not yet a full convert. Crispus, the synagogue leader, so a Jew, and his entire household believed in the Lord. So they believed and received the message about Christ. They believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. Okay, so this is the other side. Some people receive, some people reject. All right, that, that's going to you know, be your experience, that's my experience, and it's going to keep on moving on. Um, let's just focus back in on this this response, belief and baptize. What happens next? What happens next? All right. They've come into the, the new kingdom. They've come into the kingdom of God. How do we grow in this now? Many of us here, we believe we've been baptized. How do we keep growing him? How do we remain close to Jesus and not just drift away? How do we stay on this narrow path that leads to life instead of wandering off into the wide path that leads to destruction? How do we build our lives now on the rock, Jesus, the solid ground that we're on now, instead of the sand? What do we need to do? Give me a big thing we need to do. Read the word. Be in his word. Listen to what Paul does next there. Then Paul, he left the synagogue. Um, one night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. This is verse 9. He said, do not be afraid. This is the Lord speaking to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack you or harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. That's discipleship. King of God is not just about evangelism. It's about discipleship. It's not just about discipleship. It's about evangelism. And so we grow in God 
uh, by getting close to him through his word. That's how he's revealed himself. That's the primary way that God continues to reveal himself and speak to us is through his word. So the lesson for us, number two, is keep learning and growing in God's word. Keep learning and growing in God's word. Here's the tough question. This past week, just think about this past week. This is not to give you a hard time, but this past week, how much were you in God's word? Individually or with others? How much were you in God's word? This is one of our primary ways of connecting with God and staying, remaining in him so that we become fruitful. Or what are the ways that you are getting in his word, learning from him? If you don't know where to start, man, again, I remind you, go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Start with Jesus' words. Go there. Go through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. Just slowly work through that a little bit each day. Five minutes, ten minutes, whatever is more than you did last week. And in there, there's some Bible studies you can join. There's small groups you can join. These links are up here, and they're on your bulletin. A couple links. There's some Bible resources you can look at. There's some small groups to help you keep learning and growing in God's Word. It's not to just become Bible geeks. This is to connect with God. Again, this is the primary way. People of God connect with God. They devoted themselves to the apostles, devoted themselves, set themselves apart for this time. Build that into your schedules. All right. The last thing I want to leave us with is that awesome word that Jesus spoke to Paul. And part of this is timeless for you and me. Not only do we grow in God, um, But then again, we want to give this away, right? Let's not hoard up this treasure for ourselves. Oh, I know a lot of the Bible. I'm really close to God. I'm really tight with God. Um, But I'm not giving it away to anybody. Let's not be treasure barriers. Let's be handing it out, telling people where it is, calling people in. So we went from evangelism to discipleship, learning and growing in God's word. Now we go back to evangelism. Listen to what Jesus says to us. Do not be afraid. Don't let fear of man, fear of people's reactions, do not let fear stop you. That's number one. That's the number one obstacle we got to get through. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Keep on speaking. This people rejected. That was a nasty encounter. Keep going to others. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. Don't shrink back. Take those opportunities to share this hope that you have, this life that you have, this treasure that you have. Again, it is the most loving thing we can do to give this away. I mean, I remember before I was 23, all this, I was kind of eye-rolling it because I was blind. I was dead in my sins. I couldn't see it. I had a mis- I, um, uncorrect idea about what this Jesus stuff was all about, was really about. Some people shared the message with me. I liked them. They were loving. They were kind. They got me curious about this Jesus thing. They weren't perfect. They weren't evangelists. You can do what they did. We can do this. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. 
And here's, here's the reason why. Jesus says, for I am with you. I am with you. Jesus is in you. The Spirit of Christ, if you are in Christ, the Spirit of Christ is in you. It's in Adele, Adele and Saide. It's in you and me. He goes with you wherever you go. So don't be afraid. It's not just a slogan. Don't be afraid because the living God, God Most High, the risen and exalted Lord, the King of kings and Lord of lords, is with you. He's in you. You have nothing to fear. There's freedom there for us by remembering who he is, where he is, and what he's called us to do. So let's stand and pray and ask him to help us grow in this this week. We thank you, Lord, for your presence with us, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for calling us out of darkness into the light, out of the power of Satan and sin and death, and into the kingdom of God. We thank you for that, Lord. And Jesus, we ask that you would stir us, inspire us, help us, equip us, help us take that next step toward sharing this great treasure with others. Give us an assignment this week, Lord God, and help us take it. Help us not be afraid. Help us remember that you are with us. We know it's true. Help us live in it more this week. Amen.